Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. story all right man how about we talk about your cat that you killed this year all right we can we can tell that story um so we had finished up uh with our clients and there was one more cat on our quota to fill and it was a female we found two tracks that morning a breeding pair and i have to specify that it was a male and a female in today's society <laughs> but um we turned loose in hopes that the dogs would catch one of those cats we really didn't care we weren't dead set on killing a lion it was more or less training for fun yeah end of the season type of deal um we cut loose the dogs cold trail up over and they jump and start coming back for the road and they cross the road we we let me back that up so we start watching on the GPS, and we start seeing the dogs really start covering ground. And the bark indicators, which is the GPS collars, and they show how much the dogs are barking. It was bumping 20 to 40 okay. barks per minute. Yeah. I mean, so, and they were kind of held up at a spot. So we knew that the lion had probably made a kill right there, or they were smelling where he was in his bed. It's like mm -hmm. a lot of times you can look at GPS, and it's like, think false in your head you think maybe that they're bait or caught right there and then all of a sudden the chase lights out from there so it was yeah. jump track they're screaming they head back for a road um, we let the dogs cross we don't get very close with the pickup they cross the road we don't see lion anything like that i turn an old dog loose that is 13 years old <laughs> because they only crossed the river 200 yards and treed and i figure all oh, the old man will get to go into a tree it's yeah. just super sweet for him we get into the tree and we're pretty confident it's a female okay. just just by looking at her. Um, it has no ears. It's the wildest looking thing. And at first its head looks like a big giant bucket head because you're looking <laughs> at it and you see that the ears are very small. But the closer we get, the lion's size isn't, it's only like 115 yeah. pound female. No ears and her tail is like 18 inches long. Oh, this is a super old female. Mm -hmm. She sees us working in the tree, bails out. Now that old dog is running again, and he's terribly out of shape, and he suckered me into getting him to come that morning because he sits at the end of their, we have a kennel, and they give you them sad puppy dog eyes yep. as you're pulling out with all the other dogs. Exactly. And he suckers me into it once a year doing that, taking him. <laughs> uh, so anybody that has old dogs, they know. Yep. You feel terrible. You probably have a couple also that they start running behind, and then they cross the road, and then they see their age, or they the dogs themselves feel their age, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just crazy that. So, I just messed that all up for you a little right. bit. The story I kind of got off track no, a little fine. bit. No, you're fine. Um, like I said, we're just talking dogs. It doesn't matter. So, that lion treed in that first tree and bailed out. Starts heading down river in the canyon, and there's a nasty spot of ledges. And uh, we kind of know that that line's wanting to get to that. It's three miles down the canyon. Dogs catch her again, tree, probably four or 500 yards from that first one. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're getting closer to the rock ledges down there. Gotcha. We get into the tree, the second tree, and uh, we, we actually get a hold of a couple dogs, start pulling dogs back and getting them tied up. The third dog we started tying up, lion starts coming out of the tree, bails out, off to the races again. Yep. 
Uh, we cut all the dogs loose back again. They're on the track. The lion runs up a pole, and we're in a bunch of thick regen pine, and the dogs slick tree right there, which is super frustrating, especially after they had the lion and two trees. You're like, yeah. what in the heck are these retards <laughs> doing? Um, my dad, he gets a little frustrated. We start uh, looking around for the track that come out of there. Here the lion went up a pole, jumped into another tree, and then come off another pole and ended up 50 feet away from the tree that the dogs were treeing on. Oh, you can't, can't fault them for that. <laughs> no, I mean, it was just what happened, especially after they screamed down off the this little ledge and the line goes up a pole, the dogs instantly think it's treed, but it's not. We figure it back out, put a couple more dogs back on it. The old dog seems to always get away from us. So we don't, we're not paying attention to him when we get into the tree because yeah. we're trying to catch, you start as a houndsman, in case it gets western on, like you're saying, western on the mountain, <laughs> we want to find, I would like to tie up my dogs that are best first, the most high caliber hound I have, the one yeah. that shows the most potential. I always try to get my hands on that dog first, or I tell all the guys going in. So we start from the top of our dogs to the bottom, putting them on the, on yeah. the chains, and we click them all back loose. They head into a set of cliffs, and we don't think the lion's caught. It takes about an hour and a half to walk from the slick tree to where they're showing treat again. But the lion has made it to that nasty part of the canyon that I didn't think yeah. that if she got to, we would be able to get her. We walk into there, and my friend Ben, which is one of our guides, he goes down over this little ledge, and we're trying to work through these ledges in different spots that we can see into the tree. We can hear the dogs treeing down there, but we can't see them and we can't see the tree because there's cliffs and big ledges. So we work down around them and we can see the lion. He can see the lion treed right there. So he hoots to me. And uh, we work down over and we had a big female sitting about 80 feet in the tree. Okay. Now I have a bow and arrow, but the shot is straight up and she's already come out of multiple trees. Yeah. So I can't change angles on the lion because the second that we move away from the bottom of the tree, she starts getting real antsy yeah. and wanting to come back out. I do have a handgun, so I could shoot her with a handgun if she come down out of the mm -hmm. tree. But she's 80 feet up, and with a 10-millimeter Glock, that's, that's far shooting. Well, and at the same point, you were, you'd killed a bear with your bow and, yeah. and an elk, so you wanted to, yes, sir. You wanted to get your, your mountain lion. Yeah, so we decided I'm going to make the shot from the bottom of the tree shooting straight up. Almost. It's, it was a wicked angle. Um, I draw the bow back. I pull it back, and ice and snow is flying off of the bow from it being drugged six or seven hours through the mountains <laughs> in a backpack. Yeah. Um, I draw the bow a couple times. No, nothing's going to derail the string. Obstruction's out of the way. I try to... The line's sitting in a spot... And now you can see her vitals very good, but there's a couple limbs that are that are in it. Um, yeah. There's really no other option. So we're trying to squeeze an arrow up through a hole about the size of a volleyball, maybe a basketball, and straight up. So I draw the bow back, but my anchor points are so bad because of shooting straight up. And anybody that's killed a bear, a lion, anything out of a tree, the angles are bad. Yeah. And we always tell clients to draw shooting draw straight up and then rotate at the hips that way your anchor points are always locked on the same but 
when it gets too steep, the anchor points are off. Yeah. So I know the arrow is going to shoot way high, so I sight my pins in at the bottom of the lion's chest cavity, and the arrow hits the limb, glances, deflects sideways, slaps the line. She goes higher up in the tree. <laughs> Just what you needed. Yeah. Now now I'm getting nervous. I'm in the hot seat. I'm usually the guy sitting back there yeah. just holding the dogs, petting puppies up. Yeah. But I'm in the hot seat, and it's not a very fun situation. You have a ton of pressure <laughs> on you. Um, they were actually videoing this, so now they're videoing. I start getting nervous. I knock another arrow. She's heading up the tree. I shoot one into no man's land. Terrible shooting. I knock another arrow. And uh, the worst case scenario happens. I'm shooting a Carter release, and I was nervous all the time that you're going to punch that button with a bino harness, something on there. I pull the draw the bow back. I look at my friends. I'm making sure that they're on it with video. And about that time, my orange vest grabs the, my release and shoots an arrow out through the top of the trees. <laughs> now, this story sounds like I'm a complete train wreck of a hunter yeah. and not been guiding. How long have you been guiding again? Uh, 18 years. Yeah, <laughs> so I've seen some bad shooting. I've made fun of a lot of people shooting bad, and here I am shooting terrible. And how many arrows did you have? I had four. And honestly, the whole time walking into this, Ben, the guy that I mentioned, he is making fun of me for only having four arrows. And I'm like, dude, I'm a killer. I don't need no more than four arrows. That's all it's going to take. Just one's all I need. Well, I'm down to the last arrow. And uh, finally, I got that one in the pump station of the lion. And uh, she jumped 80 feet out of the tree. A lot of times, you don't see them jump out when they're shot with a bow. Usually, they'll stay in the tree okay. until they are about to expire, and then they'll fall out. Usually, shot with a gun. As soon as that gun impacts them, the shell, the percussion, they're coming out of the tree and going. Okay. But not this time. That arrow hit that line, and she just bails out 80 feet to the ground. And um, Jeez. that was about it. Uh, she run down. I finished her off with a handgun just ethically to mm -hmm. finish yeah. her over and uh, turned a couple do young dogs loose, and they got to work her over. I got to be with an 11-month-old puppy, a 12-month-old puppy, and a 13-year-old dog at the tree. <laughs> Is what it ended up being at the end. That's awesome. Got the old, uh, kindergarten and the and the geriatric club all all on the same on the same tree. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, and uh, I think eighty seven, eighty seven years. Isn't that how old he would be? Oh, I don't know. Eighty. He's in his late eighties. Yeah. So it, uh, for an old man to be in the woods six seven hours running. Yep. It ended up. It was uh, over nine miles straight line now they did 21 miles on the gps just zigzagging but oh, when yeah. you straighten stuff out it's about nine miles of a chase yeah. that's a pretty good line chase yeah i'd say so well, why don't you introduce yourself so i'm josh mershot um my wife and i own waypoint outfitters I'm third generation houndsman just ate up with it mm -hmm. in my opinion everything else is subpar to hounds <laughs> I think the audience of this podcast would agree with you there. Yeah. The whole time while we're, we're grinding through our elk and deer seasons, I'm counting down yeah. to when we're going to break the dogs out. Uh, it's nice to hound hunt because game has to, per se, play ball with you, whether you're elk hunting, deer hunting. You have to rely on that animal to do something to help kill it, I mean, during the hunt. that has yeah. to something has to happen it has to either be rutting feeding moving a, a dog hunt is something special if you have a good work ethic and you aren't afraid to grind it out and get in the woods mm -hmm. as long as those lions and bears haven't learned to gravitate or fly they have to put feet <laughs> on the ground which they're leaving scent and yep. we can run them with our dogs yep 
Why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Morgan Marshot, um, the other half of Waypoint Outfitters, and um, I am new into hound hunting. Okay. So I mostly take care of the puppies and take care of the vets and make sure all of our hounds are top-notch and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, the health-wise. Yeah. Um, coming into it, I was pretty well married into married into <laughs> it. I didn't even know that hunting with hounds was a thing until I met him and his family, okay. and they introduced us, introduced me to it. Mm -hmm. um, and we had our first litter of puppies, like, what, seven, eight years ago, right after we had gotten married. Nice. And I fell in love with it from there. So I like training the pups and uh, doing all of that stuff. I can't keep up too much with the hound hunting, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting and definitely opened my eyes to a whole different yeah. way of hunting. Now, the way you got into guiding is a little different because you're not from Montana. No. No. We're, we're here at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and you're a Pennsylvania native, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, first of all, running big game with hounds in Pennsylvania is not allowed. So how did you even get into that? Uh, so my grandfather, um, he, they're from West Virginia. Okay. Um, and my dad moved down there and got his lifetime West Virginia license. Mm -hmm. And he lived in West Virginia. And that's how the, they got into running big game. Okay. Running bears with yep. dogs. Um, I just fell right into it. Yeah. Being the... A boy of the family. I'm yeah. sleeping in pickups late at night, running with my dad and him just maybe having someone in the truck with him. Just just kind of fell into it. To be honest with you, I didn't love it at first. Any kid that goes hound hunting, they probably tell their dad, they're like, I just don't want to ride in the truck all day. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're not the ones getting to go in the woods yeah. and helping start the dogs. Um, there can be too much chaos maybe for a young kid to always be right there hands-on especially during a bear hunt yeah uh and also just getting a young child in there yeah exactly you know it's a challenge yeah so we were saying how it wasn't very fun for maybe a young kid to yeah. be a part of the hound hunting when they're so young but then you reach a certain age when you can actually go in the woods mm -hmm. and uh for me that was probably 10 years old 10 10 11 i started being able to really go with my dad and yeah. my grandfather and that whole hunting clan yeah because hound hunting it's it's families i mean you're yep. talking there might be five or six pickups from each family all hunting together on the mountain and uh yeah. so it's it's a big ordeal when you start being able to get cut loose with gps's collars and mm -hmm. they're sending you with a radio through pieces of laurel they're like go bust the brush boy <laughs> see if you yep. can get a bear out of there and you're taking a couple dogs with you and then you start a couple bear chases when yeah. you're all i'm not you're not doing anything except for following <laughs> following a set of hounds going into a laurel thicket yeah. they're just using you to crawl around in there so the old guys don't have you're to. A lot smaller. Yeah, exactly and when that starts happening then it comes fun it come very fun for me um and then your my dad he's like he starts like really giving you like a hound it's not really your dog but get your dog and then yeah. it's and it usually gets you a good one and i really thank my dad for that because if you don't have a dog in the fight it's not that fun so yep um he always made sure that we we kind of had our own our own dog that was a good one that he trained up and it kept us a part of it as a kid and yeah. um it was very interesting learning all the learning from a hound honestly mm -hmm. i mean how to hunt. I 
I attribute a lot of my hunting skills to just following hounds around. They yeah. think there's a book I was raised by hounds, which is very good. Um, yeah. A lot of a lot of a lot of hunting skills can be learned. Yeah, chasing a hound through now the woods. You're, you're right. That book I I have it. It's written by Advanced, trained by Hound Dog. It's a great book, and it it kind of depicts on how he learned how to run hounds basically by being taught by hounds exactly i mean there's no better way i'm when you're trailing predators with another animal and you're following a predator while it's hunting Mm -hmm. hey you're learning where hunting areas are at i mean you can learn as a hound hunter where to deer hunt from lion hunting yeah probably two years of lion hunting will give you 10 years of scouting i mean you'd have to scour the woods down and you wouldn't walk in the places that you would walk if yep. you're following a set of hounds exactly so now what kind of hounds did you get started with um, so we do we don't really have a specific hound that we are particular to um, okay we've crossed german short hairs with them over the years just mm-hmm. to give them a little more speed and a little more endurance um yep we've had all makes mu- colors okay at our kennels uh Mainly, if I was to pick, it would be a English Walker crosses. What would suit us best? Gotcha. Now, my dad and um, Dick Hevner—they've been breeding dogs for over 40 years, and it just seems that the puppies that we raise now—I don't know that if it's through breeding or it's so much that the dog's traits just make it easier for that type of houndsman to start. Like how we start our dogs, those mm-hmm. puppies have just been bred to start how we hunt. Yeah. You know I mean, yep. we like fast dogs. They're not great cold-nosed dogs. They're very gritty. Uh, okay. we, they have to be able to put teeth in whatever they're chasing to make them climb a tree sometimes. Yeah. And a dog that just trails a lion or a bear barking mm-hmm. doesn't all, sometimes it's just a chase and not a tree. Yep. So, yeah, I, I can't be specific. Right now we're having problems with our dogs since we're doing a lot more lion hunting is our feet. Okay. The feet on the dogs, uh, that's a big problem, especially uh, when you're you're hunting, when you turn it into a passion to a business and yeah. you're taking people for money, you have to hunt. I yeah. mean, you, we're, we're paid to hunt and those dogs have to hunt hard for us. And a lot of times that means me hunting with blisters on my feet, you hunting with blisters on your feet and those dogs' feet get sore also. Yeah. But they will not perform 100% when their feet are wore down. And, exactly. Uh, feet are a big thing, that's for sure. I mean, and if, like you said, they won't perform because they just can't. No, it, they can. If you're so sore. You you could have a heart the size of this table, and you can only you can only run with your heart so long before your body starts to shut it down. Yep. So we're putting a lot of. We actually got us a plot, a half plot walker. We won't go full plot. <laughs> and then plot uh, hater. No, not a plot <laughs> hater at all. There are some plot haters out there though. They just want mine. Everyone I've been around, they're usually you either get superstars or duds. I've seen they're gotcha. Um, mine that is a whiny thing, strikes really good, but just whiny on the box. But they have hard feet, coyote footed dogs. Um, you see a lot of gentlemen in Maine yep. running bobcats and very bad snow conditions, and they're all running little plot dogs because they got tough feet, a lot yep. portion of them. And then you were talking that you have a couple cur dogs. Um, yep. We're putting a little cur into our dogs also. I have a half half cur, half black and tan. Okay. That um, I actually got a puppy from a, a guide friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
very, very fortunate. Turned out to be a great dog. Hey, you said she's doing pretty good, isn't she, she? She's doing extremely good. She's a year old now. She's been on five line kills. Um, she's been on four bear trees. She's she's yeah. doing very good. And she's not a puppy that we're leading in the trees. We we turn her loose, and yeah. she runs from start to finish. Nice. I mean, at a year old, there's there's plenty of people that, you know, their pup won't do that. So that's great. My dad, we... My dad said by the time a dog's two years old, he's half wore out. <laughs> so we like our dogs to start young. Yeah. Uh, some guys have a lot of patience to run them, but we've turned our hunting into a living yeah. by guiding in Maine. And uh, so we expect a lot out of our dogs. And we maybe don't fool with a dog as long as what someone that's just pleasure hunting would do. Yeah. And you could look at it as maybe a bad thing or a good thing. It's just we don't spend a lot of time with something it needs special attention they're either going to make it or they're not and we yeah. won't no, that, that makes sense yeah it's, yeah it's just how it has to be we can't have mediocre mm -hmm. no you, you like you said you're taking people's money so your yeah. dogs have to perform exactly um but. so you just mentioned that you you got it in maine so how long did you got in maine so my dad owned a hunting outfit in maine and then i guided it probably six years in maine okay. um donnie hellstrom and the man is a modern-day mountain man. I've okay. never seen anybody in all the years of traveling the country that could read sign like this man. He has been in the outfitting business for over 50 years. Wow. I have a, a very good story um, how a gentleman, how he got out of hounds. Okay. And it wasn't, it wasn't by cho choice. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. Um, so he hunted with Dale Cameron. Okay. And he would go to the same area that I own a hunting outfit in now. Yeah. And he would hunt with Dale Cameron after their bear season was done. And they were done bobcat hunting. So they're heading out west. And they had a double-decker dog box so you could slide a snowmobile in. So the dog box is tucked up against the cab. Mm -hmm. And it's two stacked high. So it's fairly high out of the um, bed of the truck. They yeah. pull into a truck stop at night to catch a little rest. And they pull, they pull in. And during the night they're sleeping, a tractor and trailer pulls in beside of them, and the exhaust fumes run into the dog box Ooh. and kills his whole pack of hounds. That's awful. So, I like, mean, how do you recover from that? Yeah, I was just talking to a guy before I came over here, and, you know, he had some dogs killed by wolves, and it's like, you know, when dogs die of old age or, you know, or even the game that you're chasing with them, you know, yeah. if, you're if, you know if you're pursuing a mountain lion or a bear and, and that animal kills your dog you can take it a little better but when you're when your pack gets wiped out by something freak accident like that or, or by wolves which you're not even pursuing you know it just stings a little different yeah and it's just yeah that'd be terrible i, I yeah. hard to recover from i mean especially when your whole pack and you know he wasn't hauling a bunch of crap eaters to montana yeah. to run with dale cameron yeah and a famous houndsman it, so just kind of ties everything together i worked for this guy in maine and uh I'd already been to that section of country in Montana, but it fueled the fire a little bit more hearing his stories and things like that. Um, okay. Very, very good houndsman. Um, his outfit, uh, Turnpike Ridge Outfitters, and we hunted in the North Main Woods. Okay. Uh, we hunted out of uh, Salmon Pool Camps was the name of the lodge. Um, it was all no electricity. Uh, it's Roughing it. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. We'd take the dogs up there. It was bait hunting. I, 
I make fun of my dad. I tell him he's working at them bear factories up there. They're just pumping them out. <laughs> it's about that success rate. And they do have high success rate Yeah, running off of baits and things like that. Yep. Uh, it's just a different different style hunting. Makes it very good. I think very ethical because you can pick and choose what bears that you're running your dogs on. Yeah. Now, when we did it, the camera technology wasn't all there. And Donnie was an old timer, and he would never ever allow any type of technology to come into <laughs> hunting he he would tell me stories about hunting when there wasn't gps collars and things yeah. like that and it's good to learn and be around gentlemen of that age that I, old air i hunt with a guy that's 75 you, <laughs> and i love i love it because yeah, you learn a lot you can learn a lifetime and a few pickup rides with those type of gentlemen yeah i've done it the hard way we've you know while our technology it's great and it's made things safer for us for the dogs it's also made it a little bit easier at times and they've learned they learned it the hard way when they didn't have that so no no you would look for dogs you were yeah you you'd turn dogs loose and maybe look for that pack of dogs for weeks yeah getting phone calls a month later <laughs> so do you think that there's an influx of people getting into our sport probably as of recently, I think Meat Eater with them doing their hound stuff, maybe a little bit. Yeah. It reaches a lot of people. It does. We've been talking about on our podcast and things about the hound hunting. Mm-hmm. I, the more people that I talk to and the more I dive deeper into it, I don't think it's a sport that is very easily gotten into by outsiders. Oh, no, you're, you're correct. You're absolutely right. Especially running big game like coon hunting rabbit hunting you know because i talk to small game hunters as well and and a lot of coon hunters it's easier to get into those things but bear hunting and lion hunting i would i would 100 percent agree with you yeah i i think it's more you can break it down throughout the country through families Mm -hmm. it's when those families are done hunting are they out it it's done Uh, if they have you can't learn that amount of information without being like you said, the 75-year-old man that took you underneath his wing, that's how you learn the ins and outs to become very good at hound hunting. That's how mm-hmm. you get those good dogs over and over again. You look at these old guys, someone you can go buy you a good hound. Oh, yeah. But when you're, you know older gentlemen that consistently over the years have a fire-eating dragon that can run stuff down and catch it. I mean, they're yeah. like sharks in the water, man. Yeah. I mean, when those guys constantly are having those caliber of dogs over and over and over again, there's something to it. Oh, yeah. And, it's, and you can't learn that unless you're taken under. They take you underneath your wing, their mm-hmm. wing, and uh, and it's mostly done by families throughout the country. I would say social media has changed that a little bit. Yes. It's a lot. I would say it's easier to get into now than it was probably 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you had to know somebody or you had to do it the hard way and just get a dog and figure it out. Yeah. Well, also, Those are the only two ways. We hint on this in our podcast, too. It's whenever it's big game hound hunting, you know, you, you as the houndsman, you'll put your life on the line for your hound and vice versa. They would put their life on the line for you. And that's like a bond that you have with your dog, Mm -hmm. where if you bring in a younger guy or a guy that's new to it, they don't understand that yet. And they're hunting with your hound. So who's to say he's not going to back out or get scared in some of those situations you get yourself into and now you have to rely on someone new to you know be there with the hunt grab your dogs i i've done stupid things to grab hounds and 
I'm scared to death of everything. And you just, <laughs> you whenever it's your it. own hound, yep. you want to make sure that they are at the kennel every night, safe, yeah. unharmed. So I think that's a big reason too why, um, like, senior houndsmen or experienced mm. houndsmen aren't apt to bring in a yeah. new person. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And you're, and you're right. I mean, you get some random guy coming in. Is he gonna do what it takes yeah. to make sure your hound comes home safe? So yeah, and we're training a lot of our guides right now to like get into the sport and stuff and. I can tell he's a nervous wreck sometimes when he's only going out with the two new guys, but they're good guys and they, they know like his hounds are yeah. precious to him. So they would definitely jump in and save them or, you know, jump in the water, grab them if they're struggling across the water or something like that. Yeah. So, um, so now we have that trust with them. So they're invited a lot more to go on, mm -hmm. on hunts with us. We lost Morgan about water. She mentioned that twice, and you might have a little stress about water. We lost a hound last year in okay. uh, Class 5 Rapids oh, uh, bear hunting uh, back in West Virginia mm -hmm. right after our hunting season. So, yeah, most you can most hound bear dogs and lion dogs, it's a freak accident. It's not so much the animal that you're pursuing yep. that kills them. Yep. It's sometimes the vehicle that hauled them hunting runs them over. It's stupid things. It's trains. It's water. It's yeah. it's usually not the animal, the lion or the bear that kills the dogs. Yeah. I mean, they might look like gladiators at the end of a lifetime with marks on them, yep. scars and holes and things like that. But that's just nature of the beast of yeah. running, especially in that rugged of terrain. Exactly. If you run nine miles and blow downs <laughs> and nasty stuff, you're going to have marks on you too all day. Yeah. And it's their love for the chase. It's not like we're throwing them in the water. They're, oh, no. They have one goal in mind, and they, they do what it takes because they're professional athletes yep. in doing that stuff. Yeah. So are you a generational houndsman, or did nope. you? So you got into this. I got into this. Uh, now, like I said, it's a lot easier getting into running squirrel dogs and coon dogs than mm -hmm. it is running big game, but happened to fall into with some people and run bear, and uh, I just – asked i was like hey i'd like to just go and so i went on a bear hunt you know i was able to kill a bear and uh i came home and i said i'm this is something i'll be doing every fired year. up about it so i don't bear hunt near as much as i would like but uh at some point in my life maybe when my kids get a little older i've got two little kids uh when they get a little older and they can tag along i'll have a pack of bear dogs yeah i don't know what draws people to running big game animals with dogs it adrenaline <laughs> It, yeah, like I, I, like I was out coon hunting last night. Um, you know, it's not that it doesn't fire me up, but it's not the same. Yeah, especially after you've seen a bear in a tree, it's like you're looking at a raccoon, or even last night it was a den tree. I'm looking at a hole in a tree, and I'm like, that's cool. You know, yeah. taking pictures of my dogs and my buddy's dog, and I'm like, in video, and I'm like, that's cool. But the it's intensity. not the it's not the same thing as having ten or twelve dogs just going crazy because they can see a bear up there yeah the the roar then like the intensity yeah. off of the dogs is definitely i prefer a bear chase yeah than a lion chase mm -hmm. i i like the high speed of a bear yeah um i love the what i love about lion hunting is the thought process behind it yeah the breaking it down so you don't make wrong mistakes turning loose on the wrong end of a track there's a lot more human thinking that needs to go involved in the yeah. lion hunting 
is not so much in the bear hunting. It's it's a work. It's a grind. I mean, when you turn those dogs loose, it's yeah. They're running, chase, fight. Hopefully, tree. Yeah. Bay up on the ground. It it could get wild. A lion is a lot of thinking to get that track moving from mm-hmm. both the handler and the hounds. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is one of like that's a really fun part for me is just seeing how the dogs, you know, are sniffing out the track. They you can just tell they're putting the whole scenario together themselves yeah. while the guys are also. So it just, it, it's different to see that, mm-hmm. you know, they're not just dumb dogs. They have to no. put it all together, piece it all together and make stuff happen as well. I, I like, I'd run my dogs through a test. Um, I'll find an older track, whether it's a bobcat or a lion track. And I take a young dog mm-hmm. and I'll put a set of snowshoes on and I walk that track and I keep putting that dog back on that track. And it's a good way because a lot of times there's no scent at first. So yeah. they could be bumping off game. They really, they're hunting with you. And uh, the older dogs, they can sight track. They can look at a track, a bear track or a lion track, and they can move a track by sight on yeah. the snow. Uh, you can get in a little controversial people maybe thinking obvious differently, but I've, I've seen it over the years. They're, like we said, they're smart. They figure out yeah. what those tracks are. They do. And... When you're following that track with a young dog and you're sicking it on the, get to the line, get him right here, get him right here, and you're putting that dog's nose down in that track and then up on a pole and you can just watch it, maybe pick a little bit of scent here and all of a sudden it fires that dog up, but that tail starts going, its feet start working a little harder, and then another couple hundred yards and it's more intensity, more intensity, and you can just watch that build in that young hound. And I think that fires them up. They, they, they understand that, okay, they're not just turning me loose from the truck and I'm going to go out here and figure mm-hmm. this out on my own. This guy's grinding with me. He's yep. he's helping me hunt, and you learn to hunt together. Yeah. And then when you are in pressure situation and you're having to kill an animal for a client and you yell for them dogs and they're hunting with you, and when you find the track where it heads out of an area where they had made a loss, they're on you. It looks like yeah. sharks to a blood trail, and they just, yep. they're just they right to you. You yell, here, get him right here, and there's five dogs like just zooming from all directions to you. Bam, hit the track, and off they go. And you can tell the dogs that have hunted with guys in the woods walk hunting a lot just by how they, they'll yeah. hunt with the hunter. Yeah. And there's a big difference. Sometimes our cat dogs, they don't go very far from us because yeah. – as we're walking, I don't like my dogs range more than I don't want them out of sight. Because mm-hmm. say that track veers left, right, moves in the canyon, and I got a dog out piddle farting in a direction, and I need to move and go around a set of rock ledges, yep. and that dog's going to come back on top of the rock ledges instead of following me through a little hole. They're just yeah. they're doing their own thing instead of hunting with you. Yeah, there's definitely differences between big game dogs and, and coon dogs, and I've I've seen that personally. Like I've seen where people have taken big game stock and tried to coon on it or vice versa and it's like there's just a big difference you know i cut a coon dog loose i need that dog to blow through the country and find yep. the track by itself but a lot of big game dogs like you said you don't want them to blow through the country you want them to be there with you and work with you yep um i run i run coons with one of my dogs she's a she's the oldest dog i have that i'm still running and i run bobcats coons bears and she's like the kid dog okay. uh, we She's very she's a house dog also, um, but we go coon hunting a lot. When I bring her back to the East Coast when we do shows, and I run bobcats. I brought two young dogs back with me because we're usually on this side of the country for about a month, okay. month and a half. 
we run five sports shows on the East Coast. Oh, wow. And, um, That's a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we get after it. So to try to keep those dogs in shape before I go back out in March to run lines again to finish training, and then we start our spring bear, I like to run them on bobcats here. Yeah. Uh, just last week, I pulled a dog 25 feet out of a hole. Oh, jeez. I, I had a young dog uh, run a bobcat and got down in a hole, lost GPS signal. I couldn't hear um, the only reason I knew she was down in that hole is because there was snow. I could track her down in there. Mm-hmm. I crawled down in, and uh, it's very fortunate that I could even get her back out of that hole. Um, yeah. I got nervous. I come out of the hole. I crawled down in about 15, 20 feet, and it was getting tight. Yeah. And I crawled back out, and I was toning her with the GPS, trying to get her to come up out of the hole, and she, they're not leaving the yeah. quarry that they're running. So I manned up and back down in a little farther <laughs> than what I did the first time. And uh, I actually, I could tone her and I got her to come and I could reach down through this little crevice and I could get a hold of her antenna on her GPS collar. And I was scared I was going to pull the antenna out of the collar, but I actually drug her, yeah. drug her up over this little rim that was in that cliff or in that cave. I got her pulled up out. Scary. I mean, yeah. what would you do if your dog was stuck in there? How yeah. could you live with that that you walked away? I would yep. be going to get a dozer or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen some crazy stories on the news about people doing just that or, you know, taking yeah. fire companies coming in and rescuing dogs. I had a buddy. This dog was 40 foot up a tree. Fire company come out and had to get her out. <laughs> My wife's dog likes to climb trees. He, he got swatted out last year. He got about 25 feet up in a tree, and uh, we caught a male and a female in the same tree. Oh, wow. And she swatted him out and put a couple <laughs> marks on him. But, yeah. He that, liked- that hound is like the first. I, I delivered that hound. He's my baby. I always tell him he better bring him home unscathed every, every time. But he does, he does some dumb stuff sometimes. <laughs> so what's your pack look like right now? Young, very young. Okay. Uh, we have four three-year-olds. I've got two-year-old dogs, one seven-year-old dog, and I have four pups okay. that are seven months old right now. That are, I've taken two of them hunting already. Uh, the other two are just a little bit harebrained. <laughs> but in the morning when I load them up, I start my puppies. If they want to jump in the truck and go hunting, I'll take them hunting. Yeah. And six-month-old pup come over and jumped up into a truck with a lift kit to get in the dog box to go hunting so i'd say one to go <laughs> she's going out and <laughs> uh she run along with them uh they cold trailed for a little bit snow conditions were terrible the day that we did run her but yeah good the pack is looking pretty good uh i like younger dogs now you said you kind of like run a, a mix of anything so what kind of hounds do you have right now uh these are english walker crosses and majority. they go majority they go back to my dad's and dick heavener's bear stock from west virginia okay they don't go back to any certain bloodlines they're just great dogs that we've bred for traits yeah. throughout the years um just to satisfy our needs of hunting okay like i said the feet are a little bit on the weak side of our dogs right now but mm-hmm. they're very fast our, our dogs are pretty pretty fast that's yeah speed kills that's what my dad always says um mm-hmm. When, sorry, clients there. <laughs> Whenever they can run, a, they start making that animal make decisions that he doesn't want to make yeah. by putting pressure on him. That's what trees, anim- trees, lions, and bears. Yeah. Well, 
you know, I, I don't, we'll cut this a little short because you got some people here. And uh, but we've been going at this for a little while. But I appreciate you guys sitting down with me at this show. You know, I, I know I'm taking your time and yep. away from <laughs> doing what you're here to do is sell hunts. So, but uh, I really appreciate it. So, uh, where can people find you guys? And um, we are online at Waypoint Outfitters. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. all of that. And then we also uh, run the Blood Money podcast, which um, we talk to outfitters, guides, mm-hmm. houndsmen, just people that are making money off of this trade to kind yeah. of open it to a new light. Um, there's some bad apples out there, but we aren't all like that. So we're, yeah. we started that podcast to kind of shine light on the honest, mm-hmm. honest outfitters out there. So Nice. Yeah. You got time for one more story. <laughs> that first one was terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, These guys t- are booked with us already. Yeah, they. <laughs> we already got their money. <laughs> all right. Well, tell me your last story then. We'll tell one with Morgan kid involved in it. That way we can get all of it. Okay. So uh, the first lion that we caught with our dogs. All right. So we took bear dogs out to Montana, and we had no idea whether they were going to run lions or not. <laughs> Just to be straightforward yeah. and honest with you. Yep. Um, I had caught a lot of bobcats with the one dog. But the rest were 14-month-old puppies. I had three 14-month-old puppies and one five-year-old dog. <laughs> so we, we're running. We have nothing. Yeah. I mean, we literally have nothing. So we turn loose on a lion track, and the dogs go, and they run in tree. Nice. Right? I mean, as pretty as can be. So I have my son and my wife with me, and we start walking. His n- nine-year-old son. <laughs> Back who doesn't the, stand h- higher than, you know, chest high on me. So he has short little legs. <laughs> the lion's treed. We start heading in. The guys that are with me are tired of waiting on my wife and my son. <laughs> now, I have my adrenaline's running because my dogs possibly have their first lion ever treed. This yeah. has been a dream my whole entire life that I'm going to get to see a lion oh, yeah. in the tree. The guys break away from us, and as I watch them disappear up the ridge, now I'm getting irritated. I look back at my wife and my son, which I should be building them up to get them into (laughs) hound hunting. His wife, who is picking, I'm picking my stepson up. I'm putting him over blowdowns, going straight up, like vertical incline, just straight up. And all I know is that it's at the very top of this mountain, is where we have to get to and he's already struggling i'm struggling there's so much snow on the ground <laughs> i start bullying i'm telling him pick up the pace we got to get in there we don't know what's going to happen i'm used to bears the bear might come out of the tree start fighting the dogs on the ground these yeah. other guys don't know exactly what's going on it's not their dogs they might not do everything that i would to save them yeah my anxiety's running through the roof now i'm taking it out on my wife and my son <laughs> I'm like, get your a double fives and gear i know you guys are doing this just to irritate me <laughs> so finally we get within 200 yards of the tree and the daggum line bails out and runs right back down past us back to the trucks literally right in our footsteps past us where we just came from <laughs> so that's funny we me and my stepson, we sit on our butts and pretty well just glide the whole way back down the mountain. Um, never did see the mountain or lion in the tree. I didn't. So yeah. I got a picture of my dogs underneath their first mountain lion. I didn't get to witness the first tree, <laughs> but I did get to see the second one. There you which go. that worked out all right. Um, 
Yeah. It's just all of those kinds of scenarios that you never know what's going to happen. I think that's why we just keep doing it. Yeah. You just never know. Exactly. Yeah. The unknown hound hunting. The sitting around in the truck, the hour drive home, yeah. running hypothesis in your head. This might have happened. That could have happened. You never, never know exactly what happened as uh-huh. a houndsman. But then all hound guys are calling up their buddies at night. Yep. This is what happened today. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, this is what I think apart. happened. Yes, sir. Uh, yep. It's just it's a fun way to hunt. And I yeah. hope it continues on. And, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing sport. We've been doing it for 10,000 years, running animals with dogs. Yeah. It's crazy The people find it unethical, mm-hmm. especially when you – can pursue an animal, put it in a tree. You don't have to take its life. You can take a picture, pet those dogs up. You achieve two things, exercising dogs and seeing a wild animal in a tree and going about your business and it lives to do it again another day. I cannot see how antis cannot get behind it. It blows my mind. They're just disgruntled. I mean, that's (laughs) a period. I completely agree with you. Like, it's the only form of catch and release hunting there is. Like, We don't have to kill it. Yeah. I mean, and you, you were successful. Like, sure, you can pass up something walking underneath of you when you're hunt when you're sitting in a deer stand. Or you can, you know, in your case, you know, you can have an elk within range and not take it. But it's just different because even at that point, the success, you know, even if you make a, you can make a bad shot and a lot of times you're not going to get it. Pretty much if you put it in a tree and you're going to shoot it out of a tree, you're Nine times out of ten, you're going to get it. You're like, going to get it. Because yeah. you got hounds that are going to yeah. trail it up if you have to. So, And that makes it even more ethical. So, yeah. oh, yeah. Like, well, in a lot of European countries, you have to have, you know, a dog. A tra- you have to be either ha- own a dog or you have to know somebody that owns a dog. So that way, if you can't find the animal you've shot, you know, they can yeah. trail it up. So yeah. using dogs is definitely a, one of the best ways to hunt, in my opinion. So you're gonna, well, yeah, the best way. So you, when are you going to go on a line hunt? That's uh, definitely on the list. I hear you. <laughs> uh, you Just getting it. out west is on the list. I mean, yeah. we were fortunate when we we bought the business, and the same year that we bought the business bear hunting with hounds become legal in the state of montana okay so you just bought the business then three years ago okay i've worked here since 2004 off and on i worked at guide school for um mouse and outfitting Mm -hmm. and uh, and that was in 2004 and i worked with two out two previous owners and then my wife and i took it over nice yeah so which was amazing you come from bear dog yeah um family to going to montana where it just become legal i think what 50 years or so it hasn't been legal. Yep. And but it didn't it didn't become legal in our unit because of the yeah. grizzly bears. Which is okay. We just have to drive an hour and a half, which was very fun. I got to catch a lot of color faced bears this spring. Yeah. Um, neat. Neat yeah. way of hunting. Especially um, when you're used to, you know, black bears in, in West Virginia. There's yeah. You don't see color phase in West Virginia. No, no, uh, not at all. We and it was Honestly, it was very nice because our dogs know how to strike off of trucks. Yeah. So a couple friends um, might not even ask me to go hunting if I <laughs> didn't have dogs that were striking bears off of the yeah. truck. So and then I, I saw quite a few guys uh, when that happened looking to buy bear dogs. <laughs> if oh, you yeah. had strike dogs for sale, uh, you could. They were worth a pretty penny in Montana. They're still, and it. I would say yeah. within the next three years, it's still going to be worth a lot of money. That's going to be a high, high commodity, yeah. a strike dog off a pickup. Uh, yep. 
it makes it a little bit nervous running in that spring because of wolves. Yep. That, yeah. The guy I was just talking to you, that's what he said. He's like, I haven't run bears because I, he was like, where, they're, where I'm allowed? Because he's the same thing. He's got to travel to where he's allowed to run bears. And he said, that's where I lost a couple dogs to wolves. So he's like, I just prefer to stay out of that area. We run a bear for six hours uh, walking and baying a bear. I talked to one of my friends. Uh, he went back in that same canyon the next day, turned loose, and four hounds were killed by wolves. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So it's scary. Um, yeah. I think a, a lot, a large portion of it is is just there's a lot of game in Montana, and oh, those yeah. dogs smell a lot of different scents off of the truck. Mm -hmm. And without having snow on the ground, you don't exactly know what your dogs are rigging all the time. Yeah. And when you have a 120-pound canine on the ground that wants to kill your dogs, yeah, you can't afford to be turning loose on off game. And yeah, I think a lot of that that happens in the West is sometimes maybe dogs running wolves possibly yeah. and they're getting killed because they're pursuing the wolves mm -hmm. uh yeah no one would ever say that after their dogs are killed i mean why yeah you're not gonna say that your dogs are running wolves i mean no one yeah you just wouldn't do that especially after well, at the same point if you're on bare ground you don't really know that you don't you don't you can tell by kind of how the chase is going but when they flat out leave the country that's what a lot what a bear chase does yeah and if you're accidentally trailing some wolves they're going to flat out leave the country for a little bit, too, until the pack gathers yep. up and then comes in and kills your dogs. Yep. Have you talked to any guys from Wisconsin that are actually running wolves with dogs? I have not. Man, that's, I would love to listen to that podcast. Yeah. Those guys are crazy. <laughs> There's well, a lot of them up in, like, we go to the Wisconsin Dells show. Yeah. Um, end of March. And that we hear of guys, we talk to guys that, yeah. you know, run out. Well, from what I've heard through the grapevine, uh just you know some people that know people up that way like so I, nobody directly but a lot of it's they find a single track like they don't you know they don't go for a pack exactly you're, yeah, you're if, asking for trouble if there's four wolves you turn always double the amount or mm -hmm. more hounds than wolves there are is what i've gathered from that information yeah. too definitely Pretty cool. It's neat to be able to run so many different game out there. Oh, that was yeah. some controversy there over those killing that many wolves during yeah. that preseason. Well, and it was like they did it real quick, too, like yeah. a day or two. Yeah. That just goes to show you how effective a hound can be. Exactly. So, so yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Yes, sir. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>